love dual podcasts when two experts come together to discuss a variety of topics. So the conversation tries to stay on track, but kind of goes different places. Debbie Potts and I, low carb athlete, endurance extraordinaire. We talked about fasted exercise, endurance training, and gaining weight while endurance training. Ladies, I've heard your complaints and I've heard your questions. We also talk about timing of carbs, sometimes in the perimenopause, menopause state, timing of carbohydrates. If you are endurance training, powerlifting, crossfitting, it's a little bit different for you guys. It's not necessarily just low carb all the time. You can be low carb with a little bit of carbs. Hey, does that make you want to listen? I think you should. Hey, it's Debbie Potts, and I'm with my co-host today, our special show with Dr. Amy, the thyroid fixer. Are you finally at your wit's end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back, you're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. Hi, Amy. What's going on Hi, with you? Deb. Hi, I'm excited for this because we have so much of the same audience and our principles just kind of align so well, which we're going to get into today. Thyroid hormones, training, the whole deal, eating. I'm excited to do this. Yeah. I think what we're both on a mission to get everyone fit and healthy from the inside out, improve the aging process and performance in life. And for me, it's life and sports. And I think it's really important to look at the whole person. And as I call it the holistic method, but you know, you're doing the same thing. We're working on what's your why get everyone's body to optimal health by looking at homeostasis and looking at functional labs, lifestyle habits, what they're eating, how they're eating and exercising and all that. So what do you find is going on in people coming to you for help for is just everyone struggling with thyroid issues as I hear? It's it's the weight thing. And I know you see this probably in, in your female population that come to you, but it's I'm gaining weight and it's like nonstop. They're looking sideways at a brownie. They're putting on five pounds. And then the fatigue, the hair loss, the dry skin, the low libido. So mm. I deal with thyroid and hormone conditions and kind of tie that all together. And of course, look at their food and their training. And as you know, it's it's just that full picture that you have to look at to really help someone optimize their body, optimize their health, and then get their life back. Yeah, because that's the same with me. I'm endurance athletes and athletes of all levels, but really to be fit and healthy from the inside out is looking at 
so many different things. So I call it the holistic method from years of being a personal trainer for 25 years. I wasn't getting people healthy by training them in the gym twice a week. And so quickly I realized there's so much more to being healthy than just seeing a personal trainer twice a week and saying, Hey, I'm great. (laughs) And really look at all of it. But so mine is same as you nutrition, exercise, sleep, stress, movement throughout the day, not sitting like I am right now. And digestion, gut health is huge and hydration. And my favorite thing is happiness, gratitude, joy, you know, playing and laughing, having a good time. So none of those are more important than the other. They're all work together. And I think what I'd love to talk to you about is the impact on fat loss, health and performance with chronic stress and how chronic stress and thyroid are connected for people struggling to lose weight. So let's kind of just dive into it. What do you think for fat loss? What is the biggest struggle besides, you know, eating crappy food, but what do you think is the big thing with fat loss issues? People, even if like I gained 30 pounds when I got my adrenal fatigue issues almost 10 years ago, that I was doing low carb. I was doing fasted exercise. I was training high level for Ironmans and long distance events, but I still gained 30 pounds, had nothing to do with my exercise and nutrition and had low hormones and thyroid. So what is your learning from your clients coming to you for struggling with fat loss? Dive into that. Well, and it's funny because a lot of people will come to me and they will be on the perfect diet. You know, I'll even see it. I'll see it right in front of me. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're getting in the protein that you need for your lean, sexy muscle. You're getting in the right amount of carbs to fuel your body. And and even if they are insulin resistant, they're getting, they're doing low carb and their insulin is nice and low and that's beautiful. But what I'll see is that thyroid and then the really big one for women, testosterone is off. And if those are off, you have to remember that the thyroid gland is the master gland. So it's literally controlling your metabolism. It is controlling your body's ability to tap into your fat stores for fuel. So you can, like you said, Debbie, you could be going to the gym. You could be going to the gym twice a day. You could be training for an endurance race and you could be training for an Ironman. And if your thyroid is off, if your T3 is low, if your reverse T3 is elevated, if your testosterone is low, maybe because the thyroid is off itself and the thyroid is controlling sex hormone levels and tanking your testosterone, or maybe you're just estrogen dominant and your testosterone is low, or you're just getting older and your testosterone is low, or your doctor doesn't give a crap that your testosterone is low and is telling you that you're normal. So all of those come together to provide a person with metabolism. And there's a, there's a forgotten thyroid hormone too, that we can talk about a little bit T2 that actually increases the basal metabolic rate without doing anything else, without jacking up the thyroid, without causing you to, to sweat more and heart palpitations and all that, that some people can't experience when we start treating their thyroid. This allows that basal metabolic rate to come up and get more activated and get more efficient at burning your own body Mm -hmm. fat for fuel. Now you mentioned stress. So cortisol comes in and here's what I see. I see the typical woman, and this is where I want you to chime in for my audience. I will see the, the typical woman come in and she is so frustrated over not losing weight. Either she is an endurance athlete because it's fun or she's turning herself into one because she's going to the gym twice a day. And that hard training 
without proper thyroid function, without proper eating, without proper fueling, without the happiness aspect, without all of those things that you talk about in your holistic method, that's when I see the, the thyroid tank. That's when I see fat loss stop. It's like the body goes, screw you. You're under stress. All you're doing is stressing us out every single day. We're going to stop burning fat. We're going to stop your metabolism. You're not going to feel good. You're not going to have energy. And that's where that, that cortisol adrenal piece comes in. When I see women overtraining themselves under eating and overtraining, trying to get that weight off. Yes. And that is what I keep talking about on my podcast, because I think this is kind of an epidemic for the female athletes, because we're doing what we're listening to on other podcasts and reading on social media. I think I did this myself five plus 10 years ago when I started doing more fasted exercise, you know, when you're doing lower carb, higher fat and protein, you're you're just not hungry. But I was working out, say, one or three times a day. I was a personal trainer, full-time, coaching people. I was moving and then doing my own workouts and, you know, doing a lot of the Debbie demos because I own my own gyms. I'm always showing people stuff. So I was active. And you've seen my hormones. We did a whole show in that last year that, and I just redid them again. And they're in the tank because I was doing too much of everything. So that's what I always talk about, the Goldilocks effect. More is not better, less is not always great, but you know, sometimes less is more and finding that Goldilocks effect because for athletes, female athletes, we want to work out. It feels good. Might have the mentality that I just ate. So I need to work out again. And so we tend to under eat and overtrain. We have that negative energy balance and that's putting our hormones in distress and creating that, I think, red flag of that HPA axis, that cortisol is going to go up because we're feeling like we're in emergency and the body is so amazingly smart that it says, okay, you know, we need to protect you. Let's put everything else on hold and let you respond to that threat or emergency. We need to, you know, focus on this. That's why I love doing personalized coaching, creating personalized program, because there's so much more to that, to take off those layers and dive deep into, okay, what's actually going on? What's driving this? Because you can take all the supplements you want, all the thyroid medication you want, but until you address your why, which could be more than one thing, we never know what exactly could be like, you know, really starting with those lifestyle habits first and how we respond to stress and how we fill our day and how we start and finish your day and sleep. But I think it's that relationship with exercise and our relationship with food that some people need to work on. I just did a podcast on that with my friend saying, you know, what are you running to? What are you running from? Something else going on, traumatic, the way we were raised. I mean, there's so much more to it, but I think weight loss, fat loss stalls and thyroid issues, chronic stress can sometimes just be something we need to work on, a little therapy. <laughs> and you're right. That could be a totally separate podcast of, of mindset. And what are you yeah. running from? What are you running to? Because that stressor alone that I think, at least in my patient population, they tend to forget because part of that's my fault. I focus on, let's optimize your thyroid. Don't be on T4 only. Let's use T3. Let's use T2. Let's do all of this. Let's get testosterone in you. And then my patients become hyper-focused on the hormone piece, which is incredibly important. Don't get me wrong. It's it's of utmost importance. But then we start forgetting about Mm -hmm. the little things. We start forgetting about 
what we put in our mouth. We start forgetting about what we're stressed about. We start forgetting about those subconscious, unconscious thoughts that literally drive our behavior. So that's where mindless eating comes in. That's where yeah. cortisol jacking up comes in. And, and I, I'm so happy that you mentioned that because that's a great message even for my listeners is let's not forget about those little things too. Let's not forget about the, the mindset piece the eating piece, it's not little, but I think it's sometimes what I see, and you can chime in on this, Debbie, with your clients. What I see is that people think they're doing good. And even if I give them a plan to follow, I'll check in with them later and they'll be like, no, I'm fine. Here's what I'm eating. And I'm like, why are you eating a protein bar that's basically a candy bar why are you doing, you know, the wrong type of protein, like a cheap ass whey protein? Why are you? And it's like everything that I told them not to do, they're doing. And then they're, they think that they're doing just fine. They think they're eating fine, but it's like, no, let's really look at this. I mean, do you see that too? When, when you're telling a client how to eat, they're kind of all over the place doing their own thing. <laughs> well, that's what today's Friday. And I usually, that's what I do this afternoon is check everyone's locks. I use practice better. People use yep. chronometer and I look at their logs for the week. I write people's workout programs. If they're my VIP clients and look at their training peaks, look at their metrics and look at all that data on Fridays usually. And a lot of times, like I have, you know, type two diabetes clients that are athletes. And then there's people that are, you know, prone to diabetes. They have a high insulin resistance going on that it is interesting to look at what they're eating. You know, I always think I've learned the self-care is self-love and loving yourself enough first to make those choices. And, you know, no one's going to do it for you. So it's almost like, okay, like I had to tell a client that's not responding and we're working on all this stuff. I go, you know what? I can't help you help yourself if you're not going to respond to me and be active in this journey. So, you know, I, I don't take on clients. Like we interview them first and say, okay, are you motivated out of scale one to 10? Well, if you're not like a, a nine or 10, you're not ready to work with me. Come to me when you're ready, because it is a lot of work to do all this because while we wait for functional lab testing results, we're working on the nutrition, you know, the exercises, sleep, whatever we need to focus on first and work on one thing at a time. But anyways, I'm going off tangent. The thing is the food log, it is, it's like, okay, McDonald's, why do you go to McDonald's? What? But then it's not just getting like, why did you do that? But let's go deeper into that because some people are all or none. And they feel mm -hmm. like they're doing really good. And then they thought they're okay, I can go have that donut or, you know, go get fast crappy food. And they have a, like a binge day. And then we have to start over again. And it's more looking at like, let's learn from that experience and let's talk about it. And that's why I do coaching calls with people and then with their login and checking that because there's always something more like, okay, to me, that's something we can stop, pause and let's discuss it. And let's try to learn and figure out strategies to overcome that when it happens again, because it will, yeah. but let's look at how to deal with that. And so you're aware of your actions, you're aware of your emotions and what, what are you tied to? And some people are just so hard on themselves that they, you know, if they're not a perfection at it, then they like say, screw it. I'm just going to go the opposite. <laughs> yeah. So it's learning that I think is always learning how to work with clients and work on their personality. So it's a, a journey, but that you know, is what you're eating, what you're putting into your mouth, but how you're eating that mindless versus mindfully, because you can eat all the great food, but if you're eating like super fast, not chewing your food, you're still going to have issues too. And you and I are definitely, we have that in our past that we're guilty of, because I know if you owned a fitness studio, 
And I remember being back to back with clients and you're just wolfing down the food in between. You're like, all right, I got 30 seconds before Susan comes in and, you, <laughs> and you're just throwing the food down and it's total mindless eating. But I was opposite. I was doing bulletproof copy. I wrote this in my book, Life is Not a Race. I wasn't eating, like I missed you for the last 2010, 2019, that I just would not eat till I got there. I would just doing a shake. So I was doing my bulletproof copy when that started. And so I was not eating enough. And I had that negative energy balance to put my body into that emergency state, high alert mode that threw my hormones off. But yeah, so it is like, eating too fast or not eating enough is always that, that issue when you are super busy. Yeah. Deb, what's your thoughts on fasted exercise? Since you kind of brought up the fact <laughs> that you would hit the gym and you'd be doing a bulletproof coffee. And I, I want to, I'm kind of jumping around with our plan here, but I want to talk about fasted exercise. What's your take so, on it? I've been trying to do a solo cast Debbie podcast on this because I've been diving into this because I used to do this all the time. And now I'm experimenting with some stuff. And if you listen to Dr. Stacy Sims, I'm rereading her book. Roar is her first one. Women are not small men. And then her new one's out for more menopause of women, the next level, which I had brought with me. And it's really different men to women. So if you look at the females, fasted exercise benefits men. There's so many variables. I've done a whole slide presentation PowerPoint that I'll, I've been trying to record 30 minutes at a time. So basically women, if you're, you know, 12 hour fast, it's, it's more like what you ate the night before. And that's for, for me personally, sometimes I do better eating my big meal, like at two, three o'clock, and then I'll go to the gym some nights or do something, but I don't eat three hours before bed. So you got to work backwards to figure out people's eating window. I was doing mostly like OMAD before it was called OMAD and doing a lot of fasted, just more liquid fat calories, keeping a fat burning state and exercising a lot. And that's probably not getting enough calories in. So what they're saying, fasted exercise for women, you might perform better if you have a little calories beforehand. So it doesn't mean you have to have a meal, especially if I work out at 530 in the morning, I'm an early riser that I might benefit instead of just that straight black coffee. I can actually put a little bit of creamer in there and collagen have like Laird's creamer that sweeten has some coconut sugar in it. So I'm having like 20 calories and I can be okay. Have that. And I can add some bubs collagen or some collagen in there and have some calories before my workout. Now it also depends on what type of workout you're doing. If I'm doing a low heart rate, we call it like max aerobic function, heart rate and mapitone everyone's calling it zone two now. And that is going to be more fat burning, keeping that heart rate. to like 120, 130 for me to 140 max that I don't really need to eat anything for. But if I'm going to do a, like today I did sprints on the hill and I, I lifted weights and I did hill sprints outside running, I am going to be burning more carbohydrates. So I should eat a little something before because what Stacey Sims says is female athletes burn a little bit of carbs first, and then they shift to fat burning men go fat women. were actually better at fat burning and can go longer, which I mean, I've a, did Ironman's is what I was doing a marathons and 50 K trail run. So I'm like, I could go forever burning fat and feel great. But if you're doing a morning workout suggested to have a little bit of calories beforehand and Ben Greenfield has done some seminars in this and there's some research and Rob Wolf and a bunch of other people. So females versus men should have a little something. So that just is kind of nice. Cause I'm like, Oh, I can put something in my coffee and, 
and be okay with that. And then afterwards having that protein, men can wait a little bit longer. Women, they're saying like women should have a little more protein and carbs, say if it's a shake, or again, if you want a second cup of coffee, limit it to two cups, but having something in there again. So fasting too much is that whole kisspeptin hormone you'll hear about that, that kind of, again, high alert suppresses those hormones. And Mm -hmm. I think we need to be careful of that, the female athletes, because it's so easy to exercise fasted if you're fat adapted and I can do a lot and feel great. But then I always realized, okay, is that, could I have gone faster? Can I have improved my performance? Could I have lifted heavier weights? Whatever that workout is. I think a lot of people get into bragging. Oh, I didn't eat all day and I could be doing all this stuff fasted. Well, I'm always like, okay, well, what if you're, if you ate a little something, you're still burning fat, would that improve your performance? So there's a lot to it. That's why I've been trying to do these solo casts. So I don't know if that answered your question. Summary is yes, women should eat little something if they're doing a harder workout. And harder workout is the key there. So if you're going to a Zumba class or if you're going <laughs> on the yoga, you don't need to eat carbs. Or if you're going to go to the gym and get on the elliptical and spend 45 minutes on the elliptical or the treadmill, you don't need carbohydrates before your workout. Okay. Oh yeah. my gosh. That's a stupid nuts. workout. <laughs> Well, exactly. A, that's a stupid workout. A, and then, don't even do that workout. It's a waste of time. Two, you got to be more efficient with your workouts. So right. I do agree with Dr. Stacey Sims on women, especially pre-menopausal and post-menopausal need to lift heavy things. Yes. We need to like three to six repetitions. I can't lift another one. And that's how I lift. I'm not right. a big, she's more CrossFit power lifter. I don't like that. I'm more free weights person, but we also need fried rice protein that we'll talk about. And then short intensity intervals, like all out 10, 30 seconds. And I went to Torrey Pines this morning. There's a big hill. I ran on the beach, then cut over onto the road and I hit 30 second sprints and nice. ran hard and then recovered 30 seconds or more. And then so he's training by that heart rate. Don't do yes. that back-to-back days. Do it every other day, spread it out. So two to three times a week, you're finishing that cardio session with, 30 second sprints. It doesn't mean like an hour of it. So it just means like warm up, do some cardio. That makes you feel good. 20 minutes or something, 30 minutes today. I just did 45 minutes, but I finished with sprints and then cooled down. So that is like more of ideal workout to go back to, you know, to 45 minutes. I see people like where I am at now is Bay club where I work out. And I just watch people in the morning going, Hey, what a waste of time. You know, you get up early, go get the most out of your workout. I know another conversation too. It cracks me up. No, I, I always say lift heavy shit. You have to. Yeah. Because if you don't, then all you're doing is burning your own muscle tissue. And when we talked earlier about thyroid and cortisol, that long, and we're going to get into endurance training too, because listen, if you want to do endurance training, that's fine. You have to do it right. But that long steady state cardio without the weight component, without you actually lifting a heavy weight. And I don't mean the 10 pound dumbbells that you're doing for 20, 25 reps. I mean, really heavy weights paired up with high intensity interval training. That's what's going to get you the body that you want. And it's going to make you more metabolically flexible, metabolically efficient. You're going to be burning more fat at rest. And you're not even talking about the long-term effects of longevity of protection of your bones. When you have that muscle surrounding your bones, you're less likely to to break your bones as you age. So there's so many benefits to lifting heavy, but that long steady state cardio actually will tank 
your thyroid. So when I think back to where, when I was competing, those workouts were two a days and they always centered around cardio. You did cardio twice a day, sometimes an hour each time, which looking back now is just (laughs) ridiculous because I was burning my own muscle that I wanted for the stage. And, and I was increasing my cortisol, which was just putting my body in a constant stress state all the time. It, if I ever competed again, which I won't, but if I ever did, I would absolutely do keto for for my training and for my, for my nutrition. And I would not be doing cardio twice a day. I would be doing very minimal cardio, high intensity sprint interval work, and then call it a day for, for that component of the workout. Big question for you. Why do endurance athletes gain weight? I have a friend. She literally (laughs) just did a 50 mile. I want to say it was a triathlon, some kind of crazy race that you people do. And (laughs) she texted me after she's like, I'm up five pounds. I'm like, yeah, you and every other woman that I know that's ever trained for a marathon. Sometimes it's 10 pounds. So why do endurance athletes gain weight when they're training? So I've been thinking about this. So I started going down this path as I was coaching people for half marathons, marathons, like 20 years ago, I started going into metabolic efficiency testing on people on treadmill and at bike and at rest with a, a cart that we measure their fat burning and carbs, where their metabolic crossover point is. I started doing heart rate training before then with Sally Edwards, who actually created heart zone training. And so I've in this area and I started going into creating, you know, helping clients figure out how to f- lose weight. Because what I saw when I was coaching people for, it used to be Vancouver half marathon in BC, Canada every year. And then I was like, why are people gaining weight? What are they doing? That's why I got into nutrition because I was always interested in nutrition, but to, to learn about metabolic efficiency and timing your carbs and fat and protein and all that, I've, you know, 20 years now. So answer your question. There's so much to it. I think it's how people train, not doing enough for that, you know, mafetone, fill mafetone. We do the 180 minus your age is your max heroic function, heart rate, or get metabolic efficiency tests, figure out your heart rate training zones. So you're in that zone one, zone two. Then, like we said, build that base up, then add speed work 20%. So it's 80, 20% training. Then you're becoming more a fat adapted athlete, training your body to burn fat as fuel, how you're training. So it's not just how you're eating low carb, higher fat and protein, carb timing, depending on the type of workout. Now, a lot of people, if they aren't familiar with training, do that black hole training. So it's not to the zone one, two, not doing the all out hit training. They're in between where they're just not really, they're in that black hole. It's called, it's not really a lot of benefit. So black hole training is Ben Greenfield and other people used to talk about this years ago, that you're in that no man's land. That is the benefit of speed work and the HIT training. And then the benefits of zone two is where you're burning more fat and then your anaerobic threshold. If you're kind of in between that, it's just, it's kind of your overtraining. You're going to take longer to recover. It's more oxidative stress. It's when people say my fat burning aerobic zone is 120 to 140 heart rate. And then my speed workouts, 160 to 170 heart rate to hit those higher numbers on sprints. But if I do all my long runs, because it's hard to keep your heart rate down when you're running. So if I do my running at 150 heart rate, I'm always kind of burning mostly carbohydrates and I'm depleting muscle glycogen. Then people might have to eat more. They slow down and they're eating more gels and getting more glucose in. So they're not burning fat. And so they're 
get more carb burning. So, and it's also more stress and damaging our body. So the mafetone is that what everyone, I think it's Huberman or Peter Tia, whoever's, I did a whole podcast on this the other day. I'm like, zone two is not new. <laughs> I've always talked about this, but Phil Mafetone 30 years ago created this for endurance athletes and the Ironman athletes, a formula 180 minus your age plus or minus five beats is your max aerobic function heart rate. So if you're 30 years old, you subtract 180. 30 from 180. So you're say at 150, but if you've been injured or sick, you drop five off of that. So 145, that's your heart rate. You want to stay at about it around and not go over. So you can do a metabolic efficiency testing cart where you're wearing the face mask and measure what your actual heart rate and where you burn the peak amount of fat, your fats oxidation rates are. You can figure that out, but a lot of people can't. So this is just a pretty accurate formula. I used to test people in metabolic cart for 10 years and do the formula as well. I'm like, well, that's weird. They're, they're kind of similar. So the mafetone, you can look it up, Phil mafetone, it's called MAF, the math formula. So we've talked about that for years for training endurance athletes. So plus, plus five, if you're fit and healthy, but usually it's there. So that's kind of, that would be where you want to stay nowadays. Everyone's calling this zone two training, but that's what we want to do 80% of the time. And then the 80, 20 polarized training, it's called, it's a 20%. It's going to be all out speed workout, the sprints. So that's where you're actually going up into, you know, 150, 160, 170, and you're hitting those really high heart rate numbers where you are just sucking wind. Like that's where you yeah. have to take a break. Like I can spend all day at 135 you know, beats per minute. I can, I can do that all day long. But when I yep. hit that 160, 170, I can only hold that for a short amount of time. And then I'm like, oh, you know, I'm catching my yep. breath. I need to take a break. That's what Tabata intervals, if you've heard of Tabata, yep. that's all well, out, yeah. eight sets, 20 seconds all out. But people in the fitness industry kind of ruined it that the research was, I don't know, it's like 15 years ago now, four minutes, total workout, warm up, cool down. It's 20 seconds all out hard as you can, 10 seconds, kind of rest, you pause, and then do it again, do eight cycles of that. That yep. is true Tabata training. But then everything got to be, you know, we did it too. I called it Tabata timer at my fitness studio that will do something like push-ups for 20 seconds, rest, do another set. So it was supposed to be all out. That's how you get the benefits and kind of that minimal effective dose type of training. So I think a lot of people need to wear a heart rate monitor to know, okay, am I hitting 170 heart rate when I do that? Or am I just like half-ass doing it that my heart rate's just like 120? So to go all out, it means go all out. Most people don't know how to push themselves and they, most people don't know how to go slow enough. So that's why I'm a big fan of still wear a heart rate monitor if you're not sure what that feels like because people kind of stay in that middle, go back to that black hole training. I don't know if we answered your question of, of why do you gain weight? I think it's because people aren't training their body burn fat. And then the other part of that is what are you eating before, during, and after your training and your racing? I don't know. Like we said, it could be water retention, but I think as a lot of times people think they're exercising, they're burning so much. So they overeat thinking, Oh, I yep. just worked out. I just did a two hour run. I'm going to yeah. just have a binge fest all day. That's how I found my clients were gaining weight. One person really taught me like every time because he was the overeater. And so he was using exercise as a way to be able to think psychologically. Oh, that means I get a hall pass. I can just eat whatever I want the rest of the Sunday. Yes, 100%. I mean, I've even fallen into that mindset years ago. I'm out of it now, but years ago, 
I think we all kind of self-sabotage in that way of going like, that workout was really hard. So I can definitely eat more today. And then you go out to eat and you're like, bring on the fried mozzarella sticks, please. Thank you. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's okay though, sometimes to give permission, not eat the crappy stuff, the vegetable oils, but just go, okay, you have to earn earn your, if you want to like splurge one day, that's when it's like, yeah, go for a harder workout and then time it. So you can eat that. It's not going to cause as much damage to you, but yeah, no, a hundred percent. I agree with that. You need, you need to have that day to enjoy, but as long as you're not mm. putting in inflammatory gluten poofas into your body, that's going to jack up your inflammation. Then yeah, just enjoy with the good stuff. Have a yeah. sweet potato with some yeah. water, you know, have, have <laughs> extra dark chocolate if you want that. No, what I was going to ask you, Debbie, is I think there is, and I kind of alluded to this when I was talking about when I was bodybuilding and we had that whole mindset around eating oatmeal and eating rice and eating potatoes. And I got to tell you, I just, I, I splurged this weekend and I did have a bowl of oatmeal because I do love it and miss it. It's not part of my regular diet. And I tested my glucose with my CGM and it was so high. It was like, for me, it was 147, 150. So that definitely spikes my glucose. But that whole mindset of when I was competing was you have to train with carbs. And I know endurance athletes have that same mindset. You have to train with carbs. Now in the last, I would say probably 10 years, we have seen professional bodybuilders come to the scene who are muscular and ripped and they are keto. And we have seen endurance athletes doing Ironman that are keto. So the big question is, do you need carbohydrates to train? Whether you are lifting heavy shit or you're doing a crazy Ironman like you do, do you need the carbohydrates? (laughs) Well, I've talked about this all year on my podcast. So people can listen. People can go back and listen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, It's been a big topic because I hate the word keto. I hate calling it anything, how we eat. I know we should eat nature's foods that eat the right macronutrient ratio that balances your blood sugar. I'm a big fan of Dr. Gabrielle Leon's protocol, prioritizing protein, figuring out your fats, and then the carbs are real food sources, the vegetables, the broccoli, cauliflower, and then the safe starches and, and timing that around the workout. So it doesn't mean like our, my show's low carb athlete. It doesn't mean zero carb. Someone asked me, Oh, what's how many grams is low carb? Yeah, it is. It could be hundred grams to 200. Some athletes can do 300 grams a day. It's, it's so different for a person, depending on the type of athlete they are, how much muscle they have, what's their intensity of the workouts and all that. So it's eating real food, carbohydrates when appropriate. And it's not keto. And as reading, if you go look at what Dr. Stacy Sims, she had a post recently of avoid keto. And I don't get it because I don't like the word keto again, but it should be, she's saying keto is 50 grams of carbs a day. And if you read her book, she says pre and post menopausal, we are carb insensitive. We can't tolerate much carbs. So get rid of extra starchy carbs, time that with the more intense workouts. And you can time your carbs, say at dinner time, stay more into keto during the day, carbs at night and time that. And that's what Ben Greenfield suggests too. Like you can do that or do one day a week, a carb refeed, having your lower carbohydrate, but 50 grams a day isn't for the athlete. That's what I keep saying on the show all year long is that Dr. Dan Plews, who trains more our Endure IQ program have been taking 
as a coach is that 130 grams a day is kind of 100 to 130 is what a lot of endurance athletes can tolerate. Mm-hmm. And I've been testing with Keto Mojo with my NutriSense, and then I'm using BioSense to breath test. It's kind of like yeah. same as Lumen. And I'm still burning a lot of fat. So it, we don't need to be in nutritional ketosis. We're not metabolically damaged if we're a training like this. So the guidelines out there for what keto is, is 20, 50 grams a day is not the guidelines for the endurance athlete or the female athlete. So we right. can have some carbs. We're not saying eat a bagel and a muffin and a loaf of bread. It's having, you know, the, the vegetables and berries. And, you know, I've been so afraid of, oh, I can't have any fruit because it'll spike my glucose up. Well, I've just started. It's more like, why does it spike my glucose up? Is am I not able to metabolize any carbs? I'm not metabolically flexible because that's a whole nother conversation. You can become metabolically inflexible if you're so strict on being only fat and not getting enough protein and not getting any nature's carbs. So I am rambling, but I think that's, I don't know if that answers what you asked at all. (laughs) I just kind of tangent because that's such a hot topic to me. It's like, eat what balances your blood sugar out. Play with that. Like you said, oatmeal spikes you, your glucose up. Some people can do some oatmeal, but it has to be properly prepared, like soaked overnight and all that stuff. But that's where it's so individualized, like get a CGM measure with biosense or levels use or lumen and, you know, do all this testing because you don't know what works or not work unless you test. Absolutely. And it's been eye-opening. I'm using very, I mean, it's just enough. There's so many CGM companies out there. You can use any one. Very V-E-R-I. Yeah. Yeah. Another CGM. Yeah. But it's so, it's so eye-opening. I resisted it for so long because I, I joked and said, I don't want someone to tell me that my dark chocolate spikes my glucose because then I'll be pissed. But but it's very, very eye-opening. I ate a keto and this is where you really, I'm with you, Deb. I don't like the word keto because when I say it to my patients, they look at me like a deer in the headlights. Like, I'm going to have to do what? And it's like, listen, I want you low carb because you're insulin resistant. We see it on your labs. And like you said, when you're perimenopausal, menopausal, you become less insulin sensitive. If you throw on a thyroid problem on top of that, chances are really good that you're insulin resistant. So I just tell them we want to go low carb. I want you to be a fat burner. I don't care what that looks like in terms of amount of carbohydrates because you're going to have to test that and see what works for you. You get the keto mojo to see if you're in ketosis. You get the CGM to see if those sneaky keto, I'm using air quotes here, foods spike you. And I ate a keto, keto claimed air quote product. Oh my gosh, I went to 165. Keto. It was the keto product. I went to 165. I'm another patient that did stevia. She went to 180. So you have to get the data for yourself. But I want to break that myth that you have to add in carbohydrates because we do we do see the Lance Armstrongs of the world. Well, back in the day when you know you and I were younger, <laughs> the Lance Armstrongs of the world doing the goo and and they're packing bananas and you got the Gatorade and that's what we think of when we think of endurance training. But it doesn't have to be that. You can be actually better at training when you're running on ketones versus glucose, because you have to keep replenishing that glucose. That's why there are stops along the way with the goo and with the Gatorade and with the sugary stuff is because you're going to burn through that glucose and then you need more. But when you're burning your own body fat for fuel and you're using ketones to fuel your body, that's a whole nother level of performance. 
Yeah. So you just said a lot. One, just back up the word keto foods. That's why I don't like keto because it happened to paleo and all these packaged food companies. And my husband's in the food industry. So I know I hear this and I go to Expo West, the huge natural product show. And I walk the show. I've done it three times. This Anaheim, there's hundred thousand people there. It's crazy. And all the foods that are keto packaged are crap. So that's why I like to say, eat real food that doesn't come in a box. It doesn't have like 50 ingredients on the label. You should be able to yep. read the ingredients and go, okay, because a lot of those keto foods have three sweeteners in them. And I can't do stevia. It gives me a headache. And yes, it'll drive my glucose up Two, yep. They'll have uh, xylitol, which is going to give you a gas and then monk <laughs> yes. fruit. So a lot of those candies and chocolates and keto packaged foods have sweeteners. So to me, you're still going to crave sweetness. If you're having a food with these non-insulin glycemic balancing, whatever you want to call it sugars, that, cause you're yep. still craving sweet, not savory. So that's kind of why I'm not a fan. Part two is I've done a lot of uh, videos recently on this topic, putting that all together, train low, race high. So you train as a low carb athlete, and then up to three days before the race. So say you're hundred grams carbs a day at 130. Well, before like a big race, if you are racing, not just like, I'm just going to finish it and go low heart rate. If you're racing a, like a triathlon or half or full marathon, a long distance, you know, four or five hour thing to Ironman's, you know, 10, 12, 17 hours that you are adding in nature's carbs days three days up before. So it's just 50 grams is what Dan Plews suggests. Dr. Plews says, okay, say I'm 130 is my sweet spot. Three days before the race, I'm going to add 50 grams more than 50. And then I'm at 200 grams total day. That's what works for him. That's just kind of a template. Then we adjust up or down based on that. Females are different. If you're more muscular, lean and taller, you can, you have like what Dr. Gabrielle Leon says, the muscles are like suitcases. So the more muscle you have, the more storage you can have more, you can fit in that, that suitcase. So yes. I can tolerate pack in more carbs. Again, it's real food carbs, not the pasta and all the stuff that we see be told to carbo load. Not. So it's all right. It's so now that. that you mentioned Dr. Gabriel, <laughs> I want to talk about protein. Yeah. My favorite topic. I drive this point home with my patients and it is an epidemic in women that they don't get enough protein, but they think that they are, they think they are, but they're not. So I really, I love mm -hmm. the protein first. I had MMA fighter, uh, Bobby Maximus on my podcast and, and he said it so simply, you know, when sometimes somebody says it really just like simple, but stupid. And you're like, duh. Yeah, exactly. Protein <laughs> first. You got this plate, you go out to a restaurant, you got a big old steak, you got some asparagus, some broccoli, and maybe like a beautiful sweet potato eat the damn steak first. Don't be picking at the sweet potato. Don't be eating your vegetables first because you're going to get full. You want to eat the protein first so mm -hmm. you get it in. And I see yep. these women that are getting in, I mean, maybe 50 to 80 grams of protein per day. And I'm like, you're complaining about muscle loss. You're complaining about fatigue. You're complaining about losing your hair, which is made up of amino acids. And you're not even getting in enough protein to have your heart beat because that is a muscle too. Yeah. So what do you see in your practice regarding protein? And when you actually work with your clients to get that protein level up, what are they saying that they experience? I'll say this is where we can't do such extreme fasting. And Dr. Leon 
spoke right before COVID, we had nutritional therapy conference and Cynthia Thurlow, Dr. Anna Mm -hmm. and Dr. Gabrielle Leon all spoke on a panel and then COVID hit. But this is since then I realized, oh my gosh, I am fasting. I can't get like, I'm tall. I'm 5'10". Obviously people saw our picture we have, we should post from um, KetoCon. I'm like way taller than you. So I, I weigh more and I need more protein and to get my protein goals. So just to review, if people don't know, the Leon protocol is your ideal body weight in grams of protein a day. So if you want to weigh your ideal weight, say 150 pounds, you need 150 grams of protein a day. You want to spread that out throughout the day, say four hours apart. So you have time to break down and digest that's 30 to 50 grams. So if I'm just eating one main meal a day and I'm not really eating the rest of the day because I think I'm so cool, I'm doing fasting and I'm doing OMAD and I'm exercising a lot, well, you're screwing yourself up. <laughs> I love and you. That's great. There's, there's no way you're going to get that protein. So then I've just more so the past year going, okay, I really need, because I'm trying to biohack my way through menopause as a 50 year old that I'm like, I'm. I'm not gaining that fat weight that everyone talks about. I'm, I'm lifting heavy weights. I'm doing my sprints. I'm totally changing everything going. I'm not going to be that typical menopausal lady. Plus I think I'm 35, not 50. Exactly. (laughs) Well, you look it. So, (laughs) right. You have to get, go back to breakfast, lunch, dinner, and that doesn't have to be three meals. It could be a shake and two meals. So I have my clients just track and I use chronometer and it goes into practice better. So I can see people can track and I look at their macros. And if they hate doing that, I have them just take a picture, show me what yeah. you're eating, text me if you can't handle doing practice better. Cause some people hate doing the apps, which is cool. Right. So yeah, is eating your protein first and prioritizing it as you said, but also Sunday, what does my week look ahead of me? When's my workout schedule? When am I doing my self-care time? What is my life, my school activities, kids, whatever you do? And then figure out figure out what you're eating. So you have to thaw, like have food in your fridge freezer, defrost mm-hmm. that steak. I'm going to have this day. And then maybe I'm going to make meatballs and have those on hand, you know, and being going to have some salmon and planning ahead is what I think is hardest. Cause a lot of people are like, oh, I can't get that in. Like, well, let's figure it out. How much protein is an egg? Well, don't have just one egg and don't do the egg whites unless you have food sensitivities. Let's go for eggs. Right. <laughs> and not freak out about it. Oh, it's cholesterol. I'm going to get heart attack. Oh, that's a whole nother podcast, but yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's just like, let's get, how much is in bone broth? Let's do three cups of bone broth. That's like 10 grams of protein. All mm-hmm. right. I'm going to do a shake instead of one scoop of whey grass fed. I'm going to do two scoops. Let's put some collagen into my coffee. I mean, we figure it out, map it out and figure out how to get it in. And then it's like, all right, as long as can I get hundred grams in, let's start there. But figuring out how that can happen and what that looks like. But most people struggle with it. Yes. What about you? Most do that. Yeah, that's I I tell them to do exactly what you're saying. You can throw a little bit of collagen in your coffee. You can throw you can throw a scoop of protein powder if you're making like keto pancakes, like throw it in there. It's going to be hidden. You can put that protein powder into food, too, instead of just drinking it as a shake. And with that protein, I'm going to transition into testosterone. So we can talk about that for my audience and yours before we wrap up testosterone Mm -hmm. in order to have adequate 
amounts of testosterone, you also need protein. There's a very, there's a very thin line connecting those two, but they do connect. So we know that you need that sexy lean muscle on your body. You're not going to build muscle without amino acids. I have a podcast and I'm sorry if this offends anybody, but it's just true. The only thing worse than a vegetarian is a vegan. Why? Because you're not getting, right? You're not getting the amino acids. You're not getting that beautiful God-given protein source of animal-based protein into your body that our bodies need and require. So in Mm -hmm. order for you to build muscle, in order for you to have strength, in order for you to have energy, and I know Gabrielle talks about this too, in order for you to have energy to get through your day, in order for you to have a metabolism to burn your fat, you need protein, you need adequate amounts of testosterone. So now I'm going to transition into this for the perimenopausal menopausal women. Now this does not exclude 20 and 30 year olds because I have seen testosterone levels tank in 20 and 30 year old females tank, but mainly we start to see them go downhill in in a woman's forties. That's where we'll see progesterone start to decrease and testosterone goes down the toilet with it. Now, here's the problem with the standard lab value range when you're looking at testosterone. It cuts women off at 45, not 45 years old, old, 45 nanograms per deciliter. So you go maybe zero to 45 is the normal air quote standard lab value range for a woman's testosterone, total testosterone. I don't want you even below 50. And I'm actually going to be doing a podcast soon on just this topic. I'm finding more and more that women are optimized at a much higher level. I'm talking 100, 200. My testosterone level is 370. So I'm finding that women need a little bit more, and especially endurance athletes, type A, driven individuals. You need more testosterone to fuel your body, to fuel your brain, to fuel your muscles, to give you that energy. And and when you get that number up, I mean, life changes. It's not just Mm -hmm. about... And I'm not talking about looking like a a female bodybuilder or looking like a dude. I'm talking about having adequate amounts of testosterone to run your body to where you stay very feminine. You're not going to, and I'm going to quote Karen Martell here. I love this. I love this, this word. You're not going to grow a clitinus. You're not going to get acne. You're not going to grow a beard. You're going to have the adequate amounts of testosterone for you to feel amazing to feel strong. So when you go to train, whether you're training for endurance or whether you're just training to look like a badass, you're going to have that energy and that strength. You're not going to go to the gym and go, oh gosh, this 10 pound weight feels heavy. And I just don't have it in (laughs) me today. I just don't have it. No, that's part, that's testosterone. That's going to give you the drive. And I call testosterone the GSD hormone, the get shit done hormone, because it literally lets you It motivates you to get through your day. So if you are a type A driver, then just like Debbie, you got a workout to do in the morning. You got a podcast to record. You got to work. You got to see people. You got to do X, Y, Z, clean the house, cook some dinner, go grocery shopping. You have all this stuff to do. And without testosterone, you're not even going to have the motivation to do it. So I urge women, my listeners, your listeners, get that level tested. Do not let your doctor call you and say, it's normal. No, look at your number and you want that number, that total testosterone above a 50 and maybe even higher. Maybe your optimal is 125, 200. I don't know. It's going to be 
it's it's going to be kind of trial and error and you should be working with someone that's going to be monitoring you but but you need that adequate amounts of testosterone and one way to get it naturally now i do believe in hormone replacement therapy but one way to get it naturally is increase your protein get good sleep lift heavy shit done yeah yeah and is you know that sleep is a whole nother show but i think it is you know, getting the labs done, I think Dutch test and the blood chemistry, we both use Ulta labs. And really, I just was posting yesterday to clients, like you got to get your hormones tested and get the full blood chemistry panel and insulin. Cause none of them, no one wants to test insulin, like yep. test and not guess. And then looking at liver congestion, that's a, another topic too. It's just everything that's related to the hormones is, is so much to it. So you know, looking at what are you doing now, if you're not getting your desired results, why do you keep doing the same thing over and over again to expect different results? The definition right. of insanity, right? So it's just like exactly. people keep trying the same thing over again. Like I see people in the gym every morning going, okay, you're not getting stronger. Right. Why don't you look at your program? I mean, maybe I just see them sitting there, like just not doing anything. And I just wanted to help people. Like, do you want to get results? Well, then let's take a different direction. Course correct. Yep. Restart and just figure out what you're doing or what you could add in lifestyles and nutrition, but also people, you know, digestion. Are you, you're eating all that protein and fat, but are you able to even break it down? Right. And most people can't even digest protein and all that fat they're eating. They can't even digest it, emulsify it. I'm just on a mission to help people get healthy. Yep. And I see as we age, the changes that happen and people complain of this and that. It's like, you know what? It's a choice that we make and let's take ownership of our health now and be the driver and not, you know, struggle. Like I see how parents, my parents' friends are like, I don't want to be that 80 year old going, ah, my joint hurt and I can't walk. And yeah, I have this problem and it's like, do not something not. about it now. Exactly. So We're not going there. No, no. Good. Well, thanks. Where let's put your, links what's your website people can find you if they're my listeners yeah and then right back at you so yeah you can go to my website dramahorneman.com you can actually join my private facebook group which is dr amy and the thyroid fixer love your mirror it's a really nice tight-knit community i'm in there a ton doing lives answering questions so you can jump in there and ask a question you can post your labs in there. We're going to help you out. And then of course the thyroid fixer yeah. podcast on all podcast platforms and you can all, all social media, you know, you can all find me on Instagram, Facebook, all that fun stuff too. So Deb, how about you? Me, my website is debbiepotts.net and the podcast is the low carb athlete. And then our Facebook group page, I share with my friend Stephanie's called her group started the keto for endurance. So we have a private group page there for other yep. endurance athletes. I wish I could call it the low carb athlete because <laughs> again, it's not, we don't need to be in nutritional ketosis all the time. So it's a, just a catchy word is keto. So be careful. Does it mean you need to be 50 grams a day? So that's where we are talking about all things endurance. And then my YouTube channel, low carb athlete too. I've been trying to add in Thursdays, little 30 minute solo cast talking about these topics are driving me nuts, like insulin or yeah. the train low, how to, you know, how to do a race as low carb athletes. So I love chatting with you though. It's finally good to kind of collaborate and just talk shop and love it. <laughs> good time. Love it. Great conversation. <laughs>